0: Now, I will sit on the end for this. Great. Now, if you've been at any of these sessions, you will know that each person here took one of the sessions. So good. Oh, oh, great, thank you so much. I'm gonna fit. oh, great. Oh, this really did work, this whole, okay. This whole paper thing really worked, okay. So I'm gonna start with a few questions. Now, if you want to ask a question to the panel, you can do that. But if you want to direct a question to a particular person, you can do that as well. Does that make sense? So we're going to... St- is everyone here? Okay, good. Okay, excellent. So, so what we're going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to start by some of the targeted questions. And so, <laughs> which is so cool. Okay, so the first one, so the first question goes to Christina. Now, Christina, hi over there. Oh, wow, it's really far away. <laughs> okay, all right. Christina, the people want to know how, how do you engage or protect your heart over the Christmas period when you are engaging difficult family members? Remember, this is a prophetic intensive.
1: If you're related to me, now's a cue to leave. <laughs> no, no I'm joking. Can you say that again?
0: I sure can. Okay, Christina, how do you engage, forward slash, protect your heart, over the Christmas period when you're engaging difficult family members? Yeah.
1: This is one of my favourite um, things to talk about.
0: Can we turn her up a tiny bit?
1: Thanks. <clears throat> this is one of my favourite things to talk about. So, um, as we know, Christmas is a triggering time, um, and it's unnecessarily so. It You know... <laughs> What I'm, the way that I want to answer that question, I would like us to see past the Christmas season, more like a lifestyle type thing. Um, but I think that the reason why Christmas is so triggering is because you're forced to be in situations that you would normally happily avoid. <laughs> so so the, way that, um, now the question was posed as how to protect your heart when having to engage in, with difficult family members. Right? So I'm going to assume that when they say difficult, it means that it is a them problem, not a you problem. Because sometimes relationships are under tension or, or strained because there is, you know, some, there's, you know, mutual conflict, levels of conflict or, you know, um, history or whatever it is. So I'm just going to, I'm going to answer the question in the context that it is a them problem, not a you problem. Does that make sense? OK. So the, the, just at a, you know, I, I would say, that when you're going into a situation or, you know, a Christmas dinner or a holiday thing or whatever it is, how many it is, it doesn't matter how many times you're going to be seeing these particular members, but just seeing that you are under no obligation to be the person that you were before you had, um, you know, before you were on those trading floors with that person. So I'll say that again in a different way, a simpler way. I would see that I am under no obligation to engage with that person in the same way that I did when I was in breach in any way, when I was contributing to the problem in any way. So I would no longer allow myself to be pegged to the past. You are under no obligation to to engage in any particular way. Now, the question was around how to protect your heart. Now, when we guard our hearts, we're simply doing it from a place of rest, we're not doing it from a place of defense, okay? So, guarding our heart is something we should be doing all the time. We're not, we, we're not supposed to be doing it just whenever we're around someone who threatens our peace or that, that's going into defense. We're not, that is not what guarding our heart should be about. It's, but if you are aware that somebody um, dishonors your heart, doesn't steward your heart well, or you know, uh, disrespects your boundaries or your person in any way, you have permission to guard your heart, meaning you don't give them access the same access that you may give somebody who doesn't, who, who treats you um, in a, who, who isn't as difficult, right? Now, what I want to say there is that that, people confuse that level of boundary where, where you put, where you, where you, you, allow that person to come as close as what they have proven that they are, are able to steward, right? People confuse that with, you know, not, not being for, uh, forgiving or not loving. That's not how, that's, that's not true, Okay, because sometimes in order to allow to not have boundaries with that person, whether you see them once over the Christmas break or multiple times by not having boundaries and by letting and then appeasing or enabling, you're actually betraying yourself, and that is the opposite to guarding your heart. So the question was around how do I guard my heart? Well, the, in, in, knowing that the, it's a them problem, not a you problem, would be to identify what about that, what about their behaviour makes you feel uncomfortable and giving your heart permission to, to no longer be obligated to that issue, to separate your heart from, from what the purpose of the meeting is. If you're going to Christmas lunch, you're going to Christmas dinner, the only thing that you are obligated to do is to rock up, eat, drink, be merry, right, and, and, to, and to engage with them at a level that your heart doesn't feel betrayed. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but...
0: Very good. Was that helpful? Yeah. yeah. Come on, awesome. Anyone else want to comment on that? No? Okay. You guys all, are you all satisfied, so no one's going to trigger over Christmas.
1: Yeah, we, we, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, this is,
0: this is like a lot... Yeah. We've actually got a lot of questions up here, and we're getting more now. Um, awesome. Okay. Next question is directed to uh, Rachel. Now, I'll, I'm going to read this one, and you've got a similar one in your hand. Um, how is it best to partner with the spirit of wisdom in a situation where there is no time to go away and pray and or lean in for an answer?
2: I think you need to cultivate a lifestyle of knowing the voice of wisdom. And so you're quickly tuned in um, to wisdom. And if you haven't cultivated that yet in your life, then do so. But the easiest way in, in between while you're cultivating tuning into the voice of wisdom, is to lean into where peace is. Um, And if answering a question or being put in a situation requires you to engage in spin or chaos, then step out. Um, And so the quickest way to determine where wisdom is in a situation is to lean into where peace is, especially if you have to make a quick decision or engage in a conversation where you're being dragged into something. Feel no obligation to respond or go into spin with somebody else simply because they want an answer or they want to engage something in that moment. Always stay where peace
0: is. Excellent. So good. That is so, so important. What, how important is that? So, so important. Does anyone else want to comment on that? Leaning into wisdom? How many people have ever found themselves in a situation where you're like, wow, I really need a good answer right now? How many people have ever had that? And how many of you have ever spoken and thought to yourself, why did I just say that? Or was it just me? I've, it certainly happened to me. I think that's so good about cultivating, cultivating a lifestyle of being able to engage with wisdom. So good. Just awesome. quickly. Oh, sorry.
2: <laughs> I think the other thing also is a quick prayer or position in the Lord to go, Lord, I, I actually I need wisdom now, and I need you to cover... Anything I say, that's not in wisdom. And I choose to step into love and speak from a place of love. And if you always speak from love, um, then the Lord can always correct the language because you're in the right place.
0: Awesome. So good. Great. Do you guys get, get some questions over there? Have you read them? Yep. Awesome. Do you want to answer one of those now? Or do you want me to go ahead and ask one of them? Okay. Awesome. Great. Okay. So... Now, this is one of my favourites. Now, I'm going to leave this open to people. It is is addressed to Rachel again, but we do have others, uh, many others for other people. How do I pray for a guy, uh, sorry, how do I pray for a guy that I know likes me uh, to approach me? Is my heart clean in praying this? So let's pray that again. Now, uh, play that again. Let's, Let's listen to that again. How do I pray for a guy that I know likes me to approach me? Does that make sense to everyone? Okay, is my heart clean in that? That's a very good question. It goes in line with a few other questions about spouses that we've had.
2: Yeah, why not? If you know that person um, is interested and you're interested, then I would pray for a way to be open. That is a clean way and a a godly way, but for a way to be open because that's a genuine need um, and people are genuinely... Um, in a place of feeling insecure about approaching, etc. So I would just ask the Lord to open a way. The same way you would in anything. Um, if you are, are aware of a job and you don't know how to approach it, if you're aware of something that needs a door to be open, then I would. I don't think that there's any problem with praying for the Lord to make a way or make something there to be an ease on something and conversation to open.
0: Awesome. There's also a determinant around, I know a guy that likes me.
2: You now, know, Yeah, you already know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Now, there is a determinant around that, are you sure? Is everyone okay? Well, you're assuming they're sure. Okay, cool. Right, well, yes, we're assuming that the person is sure. Sometimes, I remember many years ago, many people came up to myself and then Belinda multiple weeks and said that they were going to marry the same person. Mm-hmm. Many people... I know he likes I know this is my husband, so we're just going to... The same guy. Now, how many of you know it's difficult for... Unless he was living, living in Oklahoma, it's difficult <laughs> for him to marry them all. And so... Is it Oklahoma where they have all the... Utah. 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 Sorry, sorry. Utah. Down in Utah. Okay. <laughs> but what was interesting is that there was a level... And I think this is really important. There was a level of deception. It's the same when we had multiple people that were going to marry Joel Houston multiple people he's my husband i know he likes me i okay. go and so it's just being aware if you are carrying something very strongly for somebody if you're like oh well i really feel like this is potentially my husband or whatever else or my wife it goes both ways then it's really good to get counsel how many of you know what it says where counsel is sought plans succeed and so it's just so important to bring it into a place of counsel allow There to bring it into the light and allow someone else to speak into that place because sometimes when we've got hidden revelation from God or not from God, uh, uh, we've got this hidden place, things can fester and things can manifest that aren't God. How many of you know that's true? And so it's really, really important that if you are holding something and you've been waiting and I really believe that this, it's a really, really good idea to bring someone else in and say, hey, I really feel like... uh, Uh, this person is my husband, I really believe that this is, or or I really believe this person, like, what do you think about that? Do you think I'm in deception? And then when you tap into that space, you will, I believe, get a level of clarity that you need to be able to move forward in that kind of stuff. Is that good? How many of you know relationships are a really big deal? It's not something we shouldn't talk about. Really big deal. The second most important decision you ever make in your life. So, very, very cool. Excellent. Right, any other comments? Do you want to go ahead with your question? That I have yeah. yep, do I gave one me.
3: question yep. from here. So uh, someone's written, what are some practical things you recommend to do to help build in healthy pathways, i.e. daily habits, etc.? Um, so I find, for me personally, the, the primary thing that I've instituted in my life to be able to hear the voice of the Lord for one and to then build in, in the ways of the Lord is to consistently have my conscience, conscious... Mind or, or heart filled with scripture, whether like constantly. I've done many thought fasts over time, which means that I've, for a period of time, surrendered thoughts to the scripture to the greatest extent possible. Um, I have, I have um, challenged myself to think about scriptural things as much as possible to just keep myself filled and baptized. I I did that in very early seasons of coming to the Lord, and what that did is it built an internal sort of infrastructure inside me that was um, sensitive, It could recognize the voice of the Lord when he spoke. And what that meant then, when it came to walking things out or building, uh, I'd either get directive, or if I walked in the wrong direction, I'd feel the Lord pull on me in my core very quickly. So when you, you know, partake of the scripture, it builds in you a, a strong core, you get a ballast, like sort of in your stomach, and and what happens is the Lord can then breathe on that and land on that. So if you're walking in a way that's that's not of of Him, He can quickly sort of activate a resonance in the core. That's what I find. Um, you might not get it initially like you might you know take a, a job or something I mean that's primarily you want to get the word of the Lord for that but you might get something about that wrong and then the Lord will breathe on breathe on and, uh, you know on your core and then you go okay I can feel where the Lord wants to sort of direct me and then you you move in that vein um, I also have a lifestyle of worship like i, I my my uh, daily and 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 not even just like it's not like a daily thing that I do for 15 minutes I constantly think in worship you know I I have my, the face of my heart turned towards the Lord, and what what worshiping him has done is made my heart supple and soft to him and so because it you know worship you lay yourself down like you, it 's an internal posture of submission to the lord and and so if you keep your heart sort of soft before the lord then you it 's very easy for you to hear his leading to receive revelation from the Word of God and and to not um sort of build in your own ways, you're conscious of him and your, uh, your heart's intention is to be where he is. So worship and, and being filled with the word of God is what I've implemented.
4: i just add to that too. Um, one of the scriptures when I first got saved became like a mantra in, in, in a lot of ways in that it was... That's probably not the right word. But anyway, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Up on my wall was, you know... Um, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ and while this sounds incredibly simplified I would constantly go what lies am I believing what lies am I believing about you about myself Um, and that helped frame up especially in those early days I still do it now but not in the same way that I did it when you first get saved um But it became just a part of my natural, you know, just constantly asking the Lord for those lies and the deception to be revealed to me. Um, And it's so important, even scientifically, about the pathways of the brain and rewiring the brain to actually have a thought pattern going in a different direction, is that you have to keep building on that. So once you get that lie revealed to you, you're asking God, but what's the truth? So you're not just him identifying, you're believing this and this is a lie. You're saying, what's the exchange? What's the truth that I need to know? And you then have to build with that. If you've been thinking along certain pattern of thinking, you know, your entire life, you know, building this way, this way, this way, that's a well-worn path, um, even scientifically for your brain, that you have to create a new habit of I'm choosing on a daily basis basis to go and build with that new truth and keep building that way because, you know, it's so easy f- to revert back to that, you know, that past lie where you have to do the building work for that pathway to be sustained.
0: Excellent. So, so good. And so on that, let me just, let me just add to this for, for either either of you guys. When making adjustments to your world... How do you know whether you're creating a new pathway with God or simply from your own will? So either Maddie or Bill. Yeah.
3: yeah, I'll talk to that first. Um, so, so normally, a lot of the time when you're out of alignment with the Lord, you don't necessarily know it. It's like a, a blind spot. Um, there might be areas in your world where you are, like, in rebellion, and you'll know about that. Correcting that, you know, is, is a matter of breaking your will. Like we, have a, we have a saying here called breaking on the rock, Once you identify that you're out of alignment with the Lord, whether it's by, like, you know you're in rebellion or the Lord speaks to you. So adjustments in my life happen after I get a word from the Lord. Like, I don't then go, hmm, what can I correct in my life? Like, I keep my heart subtle before the Lord, like I was saying before, and then he'll breathe on me or he'll give me a word through a person. Someone might have a warning dream for me. That's happened. You know, I might have a dream that speaks to an issue or I might just get like a core check, like something is not right. And I look into it with the Lord. Like, I don't try and rationalize things and go, okay, I think this might be the right way to do it. And da, da, da. I do my very best, like I said before, the language is keep the face of my heart towards God. Do whatever I can. You know, in an initial phase of breaking, sometimes I've done fasts, thought fasts, if it was, a, if it was a, like a, a point of a habit or a, a, a point of rebellion, you know, you, you break your will. In any case, you have to break on the rock. In any case, you have to surrender your will and and desire or whatever you're doing or whatever you've identified is wrong in your life, you have to surrender it first. And then from there, I, I personally just, like I said, keep my face the face of my heart towards the Lord through daily getting before him, keeping him in the conversation of that pathway, going to the word of God to, you know, understand where he lands on specific issues, you know, Um, keeping him. uh, I have a role in conversation constantly with the Lord. Like if I am am walking out of transition, like throughout the day, like the face of my heart is before him. So I'm sensitive, you know, I, I get before him in worship. I pray, I ask for clarity, like Lord bring alignment. And if my intention is to recorrect and Break on the rock and align with his pathway. I know even if I get a few steps wrong, he'll be faithful to put me back in alignment. So, And I give my, within that, I give myself grace to make some mistakes. Like, I, I know he says, you know, the, the Lord's merciful and he's not a high priest that's unable to sympathize with us and, and our weaknesses. So I don't get down on myself if I can't hear the word of the Lord today. Like, what am I meant to do? I just keep myself postured supplely. And then there's grace for if I do two, three steps out here, he'll put me back, you know? So it's an ongoing conversation. It's bringing the scripture into it. It's doing everything you can to get the word of the Lord over a situation and then working that out over time because a lot of big adjustments or rebuilding adjustments take time. It's not like a flicker switch and now I'm a different person. You have to uproot, tear down, and then you have to build and plant, and that can take weeks and months. So that's, that's what I tend to do.
0: Awesome. Anyone else want to say anything on that? No? It's good. So so on that, is that helpful? I think it's so, so important. And so on that theme then, Christina spoke on uh, following the cloud. Do you guys remember her speaking on that? And so Christina, a question for you here is how do you know how to follow the cloud when you only have one thing to go on and no other confirmation? Is that the walk of faith? Is that what that is?
1: All right, so I'll, um, straight after that, I'll go into this because it's connected. Um, so how do you follow the cloud when you don't have any other confirmation? Um, yes. So there have been times when the cloud, we, we didn't recognize it in the moment. It was more of a hunch. And sometimes, you know, you you don't get, the law doesn't work in formula. So sometimes we get used to throwing fleeces out. Other times we get used to getting, you know, um, people to confirm through dreams or visions, or you know exactly what Maddie was just talking about, but sometimes the Lord just p- calls you out unto Himself, and He expects us to move on. Just you know, his, just just what His just even where His gaze goes, sometimes it feels like it like the wind. Sometimes it feels like His breath. Sometimes you can just see that His 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 gaze has shifted somewhere else, and He's wanting you to follow. Um, and there have been times for um, Nick and I where. We, uh, we we just we, we, we recognize the substance of him, and it could just be we we, we could feel that he's, he's, he's moving over there. We don't have anything else to confirm, and you know, and it's it's when you're when you know that you're you get um, bogged down because you don't have confirmation in a particular way, then you know that fear is in operation, right? So so when, when you when you're kind of like in that place, really honor your heart in the process. Because the Lord honours the heart, right? Honour the heart in the process and go, well, look, Lord, this is what we feel you're, you're doing or this is where we feel you're, you're moving toward. Um, and you ask, you know, you, you've done your due diligence, you've asked for a sign or you've asked for confirmation. And if you have not received it, but the substance remains, that that's the, the, the witness is on that, then all you can do is function from a place of faith. And that's the only thing that moves him. It's the only thing that moves him. And there have been times when we have, we've done that and as we go to engage it, and, and sometimes I say things to make my soul feel better, right? So I'll say something like, Lord, I've asked for signs and I haven't had any other signs, but I really feel it just won't go away. I really feel that this is, your, this is where your substance is resting right now. So I choose now to step out in faith. And I know that that's the only thing that pleases you. It's the only thing that moves you. And if I ask for, um, you know... Sorry, not, oh, that's another verse for another time. Um, and as I, go, as I engage in faith, I, you're, you're good. You're so good that even if I've got it wrong, just like what Maddie just said, even if I've got it wrong, you'll make it right. Because the, it's a, you did it in faith. So as long as you're not doing it from a disassociated place where you've given the Lord a bandwidth this big to talk through, if you know that you're, you have a right standing before him and you're asking honestly, well, I have nothing else to go by, but I really feel like this is what you're doing. You've done your due diligence and that's it. Then you just step out in faith. And then you'll, this is what, from my experience. As soon as you set your face toward that and you begin to engage. So not here waiting for him to move first. You see where he is. And as soon as you begin to engage and lean and incline yourself toward that, he will begin to, to, to reveal himself in that process. But he never, from my understanding, it can be reduced to a formula. Um, was that all, the whole question? Yep. Then I'm going to follow that with this one. Very similar. How do you know if the cloud has moved or if you're just triggered and uncomfortable? <laughs> Sometimes you don't. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know because depending on, on what's in your heart, your heart will create, like Maddie said before, blind spots. And, there, and sometimes the Lord, depending on, on, you know, we have, we've done it both ways, where we, we've identified the cloud is moving, and, and when we go to follow that, all the triggers start. All the hooks that were keeping us tethered to a particular place or any fears or insecurities you know relating to, to moving forward that comes up other times we 've been so blind because of idols in our heart or filters that it was through the triggers and being out of our comfort zone that we realized oh, you 're moving right so that that it happens it can happen both ways so what I would say um, is every time you trigger every time you feel uncomfortable. Don't compartmentalize that part of your life. Always involve him in the process. Because if your heart is hard, and when I say hard, I'm not saying, you know, you're, you're, you're evil and you're like Pharaoh. But each and every one of us have, have areas of our heart that are hardened toward the Lord. And they're not hardened out of just sheer rebellion. Sometimes we've not known what to do with pain. We've not known what to do with confusion and discomfort. And we have to sear that part of our heart. Right, so it's not it's not counted against you as sin if if you are aware of if you're aware of it and you choose to remain in that place absolutely, but you know the word also says that you know we perish because of lack of knowledge. So, but there is there is always a grace period. So sometimes the Lord uses the blind spots in our world. He uses he shakes those areas of our lives to, to start the conversation, to get our attention, to for us to you know um, acknowledge. Okay, what is actually going on here? So, if you always honor the heart in the process, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who so can know it? So the heart doesn't lead, but when where the heart is involved, um, that's why I was saying before: don't disassociate. Where you're triggered and uncomfortable, begin the conversation. Why am I triggered and uncomfortable? Because when you begin to map that out, when you begin to map a trigger or any, you know why you're uncomfortable, it will lead you to truth. It will lead you back to truth. Of you know, is the trigger around? You know, um, you trying to uphold and maintain your own ways, and that that makes it where you become rigid, and the Lord's shaking on something, and then that's you know what can be shaken will be shaken. So, for for our personal experience, we've done it both ways, where um, some of the biggest because following the cloud is the same thing as saying transition, right? Sometimes a transition is is a physical transition, like you know, locational. Um, transition sometimes it's just um, you know, in a process of enlarging your heart. And there have been times where I have confused uh, following the cloud for just, you know, I'm falling apart and why, what is the purpose of me, right? And it's not until I really, you know, um, process that with the Lord that I began to see that trigger through his eyes. Because if you just process the trigger and you keep it self-focused, you're only ever going to see it. From the, the space that, that you're in, you're always gonna see it from a place where you're compromised. But when I learn, oh my goodness, when if, I, if I bring the trigger, if I involve you, because the truth is, he's at the center of it. There's nowhere that he isn't, right? So when, when I learn to, oh my gosh, if I learn to see the trigger through your eyes, everything I need to know about this will be revealed to me. Because when we trigger, we go into survival. So if we can learn to no longer allow that fig leaf reality to, to trigger where we go, I don't, need to be cov- I don't need to cover myself, I don't need to, to, um, to make myself comfortable in this moment, if, I just, if I'm okay with being bare before you, I'll, you'll tell me everything I need to know. So it's happened both ways for us. That's
0: very good. Does anyone else want to speak into that? Perfect. That was really good. Excellent. We're learning a lot, aren't we? Um, someone, someone asked this question I'll put it to all of us um, how do you know when is God speaking uh, to me or if it's my self will now when I get a thought from God it's normally a lot better than my normal thoughts as the first one and, and the second one is that now there's so many different ways we don't have time this afternoon to go in how do we hear God how do you weigh and test the word like if you uh, listen to Rachel's session on the intensive go back and listen to that she broke that, that down a lot And, you know, is this God speaking? Is it not? And, you know, uh, we have to go through a process where we learn to weigh and test the word and learn to be able to discern the word of God. It's so interesting. But what I've learned, so important, sorry, what I've learned over the years, and uh, please feel free to speak into any of this, guys, is that normally, if it's something I really, really, really want, God's not speaking about it. And, And I'll tell you that because what happens is that in the morning, none of you guys have ever done this. Now, I really love coffee. And what happens is coffee really stimulates me. So I will drink a strong coffee in the morning, get really, really jee'd up, hear from God, come, come home and say, Belinda, okay, this is what, this is what I'm feeling. And it's always the, and to a non-coffee drinker. And it's always the stuff I really, really, really want. Now, when that coffee, the dilation starts to go down, this is completely true, that's when I really start to hear exactly the way that the Lord is directing me in the day and the way that the Lord directs me in the day is this is so crazy oh it's not crazy but it will really help people for me one of the ways that I learned to really recognize the way that God was speaking to me was that he wasn't I had to learn that God wasn't always going to talk to me about something brand new every time he talked to me this was a massive deal massive breakthrough for me because you go to be with him and go, okay God where am I going to go what nation what country what am I doing and it's it's and he didn't speak about that. But instead, when I started to come down a bit, I started to come to a place of rest, started to be able to hear him really clearly, he was saying, guess what he was talking about? The thing he was talking about last week and the week before and the boring. <laughs> Why? Because God's a conversationalist. And when I learned that, and I'm learning that over the years, what I realized was that God didn't just th- do throwaway comments. He's a, he, he instigated conversation God will complete the good work that he starts in order to see that conversation fulfilled and seen through in my world. Does that make sense? I'm going to teach you to be a great dad. Okay, great. Awesome. I received that. Yes, God. Okay, I'm going to be a great dad. Now, let's talk about some of the other things I want to see. Where's, where's the next property? What are we doing? And, everything else, he goes, and then he goes, okay, I want you to take Asher to the park. And I'm like, okay, God. Yeah, that's great. I'll take Asher to the park. But, let's, but how many of you know that the conversation that God is having with me is I'm going to teach you to be a great dad? Does that make sense? And so sometimes, a lot of the time, we get so excited, especially when we read a lot of stuff online on Facebook, and we go, yeah, God's saying I'm going to change the nations. I've got a, a, an amazing um, question here about how do I partner with the angel armies. Great, yeah, that is really important, and we, we, I might touch on that at the end. Um, but, but God isn't always talking about that kind of stuff. He's very, very relational, and he's very down-to-earth. Excuse the pun, but don't as well. He's very down to earth and he wants to talk to you and talk to us about real things that are happening in real time. And I think what's so important is the question that I asked Rachel at the very, very beginning about leaning into wisdom. God wants to be with us in every conversation. He's interested in giving us wisdom for Christmas. He wants to talk to you about your future, about your spouse, about what you're going to do, how you're going to change the world, the nations you're going to hit, when you hit billion dollars, he wants to talk to you about that, but what he's really interested in is what's going on in your internal world right now, and he wants to partner with you in that, in order that you would be successful in all your ways. Talking about, in the book of uh, Joshua at the very beginning, it says that you will be successful when you meditate on the word, be successful in all of your ways, And this is one of the things that we circumvent: is we go, okay, it will all be all right. And this is all to do with hearing the word of God. It will all be all right when this happens. It will all be all right. So we look for that word in our time with God, but you might not be speaking about that. How many of you know He wants to make things right where we are? He wants to put things in order where we are. And for me, an exhorter, somebody that goes a thousand miles an hour and loves to do the, you know, to frame everything up at the biggest possible. Belinda goes, Belinda goes, just settle. Just listen. And what's so interesting is the more I settle, the more God wants to talk to me about my cat or something that's going on in my house. But then what will happen is I will be doing something like taking my kids to the park, changing the cat litter. And in the mundane, the Lord will speak to me and say, "Uh, you're going to go to China. And I'm like, okay, why didn't you tell me that in my... G'd up coffee state in the morning when I was listening to my Christian worship when I was involved in connecting with you but you're choosing to do it now and you know why because gosh that was loud um, because one of the things that God he wants be, us to be able to identify that it's Him speaking. And so now I know when something comes left of centre, when I'm doing so How many times have you heard Todd speak about his encounters? He was speaking to me about one earlier. When he says, I was doing the this is what he said, I was doing the ironing and the angel of revival came, talked to me about a revival. He told me one today, he was putting the bins out and he met Joseph, and he, he's preached that one before. Doing the regular... And God is interjecting in and talking to him about the spectacular and the, and the future. How exciting is that? So in saying that, the, I don't even know if I answered the question, but I did like talking. And so, but, but, I, but I, what I did want to say is recognizing the voice of God, not always looking for the big, massive words. And that's why, you know, you get so many prophetic words from the prophet said this, the prophet said that, you know, they said this. And a lot of the time you can actually back engineer some of those words and it could be a soul read, something magnificent. Does that make sense? Someone gave me a word two days ago from the it, lo, luminaries, the internship, the school. <laughs> it was so profound. The Lord told me that he'd preserved you because he's got great things for you to do. It hit me like a ton of bricks. That wasn't even a big, amazing word, but for me it was. That's the way that God communicates to you. He's personal. He communicates right where you're at, and when he speaks, you know that it's him speaking. Is that Good. Okay. Well, I got something
3: I just want to say on that because with the question, did it have something about self-will in it?
0: Yeah, it did. I did. So, answer.
3: so for me, um, like I was sort of saying before, if you keep, if you have a lifestyle, like if you, if, if, if just in all points of life, you have a posture of submission and suppleness towards the Lord, you may still get information in the Spirit that is your self-will or. Um, you might be trying to hear the word of the Lord and because you're you know engaging from a place of fear, a devil can speak do you get a word of the Lord but it's not necess- uh, sorry you get a word but it's not necessarily the word of the Lord. If you have, a supple heart toward the Lord and you happen to get a, a word that wasn't him and, and walk it out thinking it was him, he will correct you. Again, there's like a merciful element you know, to the Lord where if you get two or three steps off track, he, again, he'll correct you. So it's, it's more about everything that we're talking about, whether it's relationship with wisdom, whether it's capacity to hear the word of the Lord, whether it's um, whatever it might be. They're, they're not superpowers that you can just like, you know, pop out on the spot. They come from lifestyles of surrender, you know, cultivating relationship Um, worshipping the Lord, they they dig into you or create in you an infrastructure that then, you know, in a moment of stress, wisdom is there. You know, it's not like, you know, you can just, without having done the building and the digging with the Lord, you can have that capacity. It's more daily habits and lifestyle things that produce, you know, the capacity to hear the word of the Lord, that produce sensitivity to wisdom, you know, that, that bring you angelic encounters, you know, that allow the spirit of revival to come when you're ironing. You know, like Todd, for example, has carved out his infrastructure, he's full of the word the Lord. So the Lord can land on him like that. Do you know what I mean? He's got such built infrastructure inside him to hear and be sensitive. And so angels can manifest. But it really comes when you, when you build daily habits. And yeah, even within that, you might still, you know, accidentally actualize a pathway on information that wasn't God. But if you are supple by habit, the Lord will direct you.
2: I think also the, another angle of it is we often hear the word of the Lord correctly And then we allow the pendulum to swing right out the other side. So the Lord may speak to us about a relationship or a friendship where he says, look, this is just too obsessive, just spending too much time. So then we just cut it and we swing right out there. I'm not going to spend time with anybody at all. I'm just going to be in worship. Or he speaks to us about our clothing. I'm going to chuck all of it out. I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm going to start again. I'm only buying Target because he spoke about... You know, fancy clothes. Don't don't spend all your money on fancy clothes. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna go Kmart. I'm gonna and I'm gonna throw everything out, and we swing right over here. But maybe he just said, you know, instead of a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes, why don't you just, you know, spend five hundred? Like, but we don't wait long enough. We swing right out, and often that's when we get right off track. we hear that initial voice of the Lord we don't wait for his strategy and what he wants to say about it he may just say you know what instead of seven days a week spending with that person talking nonsense why don't you just spend a couple of hours a few times a week instead of nonsense all day talking or we need to wait for the strategy of the Lord on the word of the Lord rather than taking that one thing and and letting that completely pendulum swing us right out here and We see this a lot with teachings as well. You know, the Lord brings in a grace... Uh, or starts to speak about grace. And so we swing it all the way out there and we throw completely out, like out of the window, we throw out truth and we throw out disciplines because the Lord's speaking about about grace. or he's speaking about discipline. So we throw out all of, you know, having compassion and all of those things. And the Lord's like, no, 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 I'm just asking you for, to, to do just this tiny tweak on something. And you just, and, and I think that's mainly where we go wrong is we, we take what the Lord's saying, we don't wait for the rest and we go right off track but we heard the voice of the Lord, then we get confused. We're like, no, 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 I heard you say that, but now I'm, I'm in a desert place. Like, I'm in waterless places, but I listened to your word. And it's because we didn't listen long enough for all of it and the strategy and the how-to.
0: That's very good. Wow. And just on, just on that, that's really good. That, that shoe thing, that, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't listen. not listen. It's fine. <laughs> The, the Lord could be saying, "Don't spend five hundred. Spend a Um <laughs> Spend a thousand it's okay. Um, <laughs> this is a—that's a an a, a early morning coffee moment. Um, but what I want to say in that, and I want to just want to touch on something that I think is really important on the back of what Rachel just said as well. Um, I just want to talk to you about when you get a big word, because what happens a lot of the time is people get. How many people, you know, you've, you'd love to—you'd love to get a big word. Well, no one. Well, gosh, no one. I wouldn't. Want, I wouldn't want one right now. I tell you why, because it would throw me into the wilderness, and I'd be like, "Nah." <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what happens. Who's ever read the book of Genesis at the end, from 37 onwards? Did someone get given a dream? 37. You wouldn't. Genesis 37. He was 17. How many people would have liked to be in Joseph in Genesis 38? Big deal. I really mean that. It says in the book of Psalms, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. And let me tell you this right now. Everyone wants to get, just tell me something. People get surprised that they get this word and then their whole life goes to crap. Do you know what God's doing? It's called preparation. And sometimes you might get, you don't get, I haven't had loads of big words, but I've had a few. And each time there has been at least a year or two years of cycle around parts of my world that God has adjusted in order to me, for me to become the person to be able to carry the word that he's given me. It's a very big, you actually become the word. It's a very, very big deal. And I think that we have to understand that when we receive something from the Lord, the Lord gives us that, but he also gives us the process to see that thing fulfilled. This is a really big deal. And sometimes the process doesn't look like the thing you want it to look like. How many of you know that's true? You're like God. I'm going to go and change the nation. Go, yeah, but you need to learn Mandarin. Go to the. Uh, uh, does that make sense? Or I want to go to the nation. To, and sometimes. Uh, uh, but the wilderness can look even more intense than that a lot of the time. But I just want to touch on that because I think sometimes it says in the word, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord, and neither are my thoughts your thoughts. And when we communicate with God, I said in jest at the beginning, you know, his thoughts are better than my thoughts. When he speaks, it's wow, wow, that's an amazing thought. But really, that is the bottom line. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when he communicates, he's communicating from a higher dimension designed to bring us into a, t- a place of prospering and fulfillment. He doesn't, he always speaks with the intentionality to see the word that he speaks fulfilled. Now, how many of you know that that's a really big deal? Why? Because it says that his word will not return to him void or empty, which means when he sends it out, he has the intentionality to see it all the way through to the end. Psalm 138 verse 8 says, the Lord will accomplish all that concerns me. It's a very, very big deal. So when we're hungry for the word of God, God, just speak to me. Don't always expect, I already said this before, but if we expect this massive word all the time, it might not be the season for us to receive that particular thing. And we need to trust God that whatever he's speaking to us, as we discern what he's speaking to us, we need to trust him in the process. If he's talking to you about something that you seem seemingly insignificant, you need to know that it's not insignificant because God is always dealing with the whole person. He's always, and he always has our prospering in mind. For I know the plans or the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And so we understand that, that is the only paradigm that the Lord works in. The Lord will prosper his people, but he, we, have to, we have to lean not on our, on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And he says, I can't even speak. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The words "yada" it's have an intimate knowledge of his ways, and he will make your path straight. And so this is really, really important. We have to learn to trust him. And when we hear him, we have to know that just because he's saying something that doesn't seem big or massive doesn't mean that he has he suddenly lost interest in giving us the fullness of the promise or the blessing that he's already mapped out for us. Does that make sense? Okay, awesome. Oh, I'm the questioner. <laughs> I'm the questioner. Okay, cool. Is anyone anyone got any other? Qu- I've got a couple more, but anyone got any other questions? You can just throw your hand in there. No, sorry. No, no, no. I was going to get get Johan. Can you deliver? Oh, don't worry. I was, I was, way way beyond that space. Uh, okay. While um, while well, well, he's just going to hand out. Sorry. Oh, okay, let's talk about the Heavenly Armies. Okay, how do we partner with... One of the questions was, how do we partner with the Heavenly Armies? Do you want to answer it?
2: Okay. You need an assignment that requires yep, that's the exact, Heavenly Armies. Exactly right. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. If, if the assignment requires the Heavenly Armies, then you get to partner with the Heavenly Armies. I mean, asking the Heavenly Armies to go before you for Christmas lunch might be a stretch. <laughs> I don't know your family. It might be required. <laughs> But, but really, the assignment um, would be a state-level assignment. It would be a generational assignment. It would be it was something requiring the backing of the, the heavenly armies. We have, you know, the, the angelic assigned to us. We have all of these different things for our life and for our purpose and for our scrolls. But if you're calling on the the heavenly armies, the, the host of armies, then the assignment needs to match. Um And so when we've got the assignments that require the the Heavenly Armies to be involved, then they're just there because they're attached to the scroll that requires them.
0: So good. And I I love the way it said Heavenly Armies. Um, uh, um, How do we partner with the Heavenly Armies? First of all, being a prayer helps. Is is everyone okay? If you pray... Is everyone all right? Gosh, there was If you pray then God can potentially give you prophetic assignments or intercessory assignments. And you might not even know, many of us have prayed for stuff and you did partner with the heavenly armies. You've got no idea. God said, hey, can you just pray for this? You've got no, sometimes we have no idea just how many assistants, heavenly assistants, Chris Vallotton says, creating strategic alliances with heavenly allies. Sometimes we just have no idea how much God is partnering with us when we pray for something or... or, 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 or something of that nature. What, what's interesting though is that there's a, a many years ago, when I first moved here, I saw, I saw an angel and the Lord spoke to me and said, this angel is ahead of an angel army and is actually designed for war. That was 2016 when I first arrived in Adelaide. And I said, oh God, there is a spiritual war over South Australia. And look at what we're coming into now. And, you know, and so what's so interesting is that there was a level of contending, but all we needed to do, exactly what Rachel just said, all we needed to do was just stay on track. We just had to stay on track and the heavenly hosts, the armies that were released, were released on the word of God. So all we needed to do was just align to that word of God. You know, many, many years ago, in fact, just before I say this, Carl, can you just put up, unless Nicola, you know how to do it, Psalm 10320 for me, please. Um, Many years ago, I was running a healing rooms meeting and an angel came into the side of the healing rooms meeting and as the angel flew in, it was like there was a word superimposed over the angel, and the word was deliverance. And I was like, wow, okay, there's an angel of deliverance that, came, that has just come in. And I was running the meeting, and as soon as I started to run the meeting, the Holy Spirit said to me, you know how to activate this angel, how to work with this angel. And I said, how do I do it? And then I was said, like, oh, no, I just have to steer the meeting in a place of deliverance. So I said, Okay. We're going to move into some deliverance. As soon as I said that, the angel literally just started to swoop down through. People just started screaming and getting delivered. That hasn't happened every time, but the angel arrived specifically to bring deliverance. And what did I do? I just needed to partner with it by steering the meeting and giving the angel space to operate into that particular field. And it says this in in Psalm 103.20, we base most of our theology around the angelic and partnering with the angels on this scripture. It's very, very easy. It says this, bless the Lord you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word or listening or hearkening or basically doing the voice of his word. That's the, what the word heed or the word hearken is. And what's the next? Uh, the next can you put up the next part? Okay. And then it says, uh, uh, bless, the, uh, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. And what's so interesting is that we have to understand that angels, wh- the word of the Lord and this, what, angel, uh, angel Rachel, close enough. Um, <laughs> what, I call Todd God half the time. Is that the right way? Yeah. <laughs> God and angel. <laughs> um, by accident, obviously. Um. Imagine that the angels, so if you've got angel, uh, the host of an angel army, they have a captain. How many of you know that they don't just go, they will have a captain because they work in battalions. So just exactly the same as the army is set up, they will have a captain, they'll have an overseer. The overseer will be given instruction from heaven and then will direct the angelic army according to that. The instruction specifically comes from the word of God and it says that angels will only hasten to the word of God. The word of God is like a surfboard. Imagine it's like a surfboard and they have to wait until the surfboard comes in for them to surf in on it. Does that make sense? So they have to ride the word of God in order to actually do what they're called to do. Well, you might go, okay, well, what are they given a fresh word all the time. I don't believe they are. I believe that a word that they come in on could be that they're to guide you in all of your ways, which means that from when you were born, the Lord said, this is one of the angel. You're, sorry, the Lord said to the angel, this, this is your assignment. You are to guard Emily in all of her ways or guard D in all of her ways. And so that word stands until the Lord replaces it with another. Does that make sense? And so that is the commissioning for that angel. The angels are commissioned by the word of God. The only only way we can partner with the angelic is by aligning to the word of their commissioning. Does that make sense? Yes, we can be, you know, Jesus was ministered to by the angels. Matthew 4.11 says that they refreshed him and ministered to him. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, he was obedient to be led into the wilderness. And after the time of testing, after his obedience, the angels had been commissioned to minister to him and refresh him. So interesting. So alignment to the word of God and obedience to the word of God will see a greater level of angelic release in and around your world and just an interest in the angelic too. Is that good? Awesome. Okay. The wind, what was that? A feather fell and the wind started. Did you just hear that? Because that was the most bizarre. It says he makes his angels wins. No one turned on an extra. That is so bizarre. It says that he makes his angels wins. We like a bit of that demonstration. I was actually a bit warm, so maybe you just called me down a bit. For my benefit. Cool. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't read that even if I tried. No, no disrespect. Um, okay. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to... Right, Is that, was that helpful about the angelic? Yeah. You guys want to learn one more thing quickly about the angels? Yeah. Okay, all right. When an angel appears to you... I said I'd talk about the angels a tiny bit today. When when an angel appears or in a room... I'll I'll give an example. I was worshipping in here probably about a year and a half ago. And as I was worshipping, an angel came in. And an angel came and stood behind someone. Did you just feel that? That is nuts. I'm literally feeling wind come past my... Oh, storm all around you. I know there are thunderings and lightnings. Um, okay I'll answer that in one second about the season of testing um, but the, what I was saying is I was in a place of worship and this, I can feel the angel so strong in it uh, the angel just came past and I literally when it was, I could hear it speaking but as it was speaking it was singing so it was like this melody just coming past my head like oh, I won't do it, whatever I'm sure they're laughing at me now and, and, and it came and stood behind someone and the angel told me its name and, and why did it tell me its name in English? Now, I don't know if these, they carry the same names when they're in heaven in English still. Hey, how are you doing? This is Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you going? I don't know. But what the, one of the reasons that God gives us the names is because it teaches us their function. It's really important that when you look up the name of... and There's an angel that's assigned to Field of Dreams called Henry. True story. What does what the name Henry mean? Does someone want to look it up? Shout it out. Um, so, so, anyway, so this angel, comes, this angel comes behind me and I said, hey, uh, so I went over to this guy and I said, there is an angel, I, he just came here right now, blah, 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 blah. And the person said to me, that is actually the angel that's been partnering with me in this season, specifically over the stewardship of a particular thing. And the person's daughter had seen the angel and got the angel's name previously and talk to me about the same thing. Now, what I'm watching, as I'm watching this thing, but the Lord communicates the name specifically in order for me to learn the function. Name Henry means? Sorry? Louder? House ruler, yeah. So what did I say? It was the angel was over the house of God. And so, and the same, it's, it's, there's another angel... I believe part of the uh, called Harriet comes from the same thing, Harriet and Henry. And, and uh, bizarre. You're going, I don't normally talk about the names, but it's important. Do we understand? And so this is, this is, we have to understand that we learn then the function. So anytime I'm sensitive to hearing or feeling an angel, the first thing I ask the Holy Spirit and not the angel is, what's its name? What's its name? Because for me, saying what's its name is exactly the same question as what's its function. And as soon as I learned that, then I learned to partner. One time I was in the shower, angel came into the bedroom. And I was like, hold on, just give me a sec. And, <laughs> and the, the, Lord, uh, um, the Lord said, this angel is, I think, I thought the name was, I think it might have been Spencer. And it was to do with stewardship of finance. And I said, what is it? And the Lord said, it's a time to It's a time to sow. It's a time to sow. The angel came. What's the best thing for me to do if an angel turns up to do with stewardship finance? What's the best thing for me to do? So when should I sow a month later? The angel was there then. The door opened, I sowed, and we got, I think, sevenfold returned on something that we sowed that day. Why? Because there's something, when the heavenly realms move, when we understand the function, because the angels hasten to the word of God and God's word opens up something, the angels then come and minister into that specific thing, we partner with them, and we see heaven's blessing as a result. It's very important, very good. People say, yeah, there's an angel creating marriages. Well, here's what it is. Okay, it's true, good. Uh, okay, so do you wanna answer that about the testing? Okay, testing, uh, there was a question about testing, Okay, I don't want to be tested either, but I'm, I'm over-testing. How many people have ever received a prophetic word? I, I remember someone prophesied over me. I was lying on, lying on the floor, and I'd just been through the worst season ever, and they said, I've got such a big word for you. And I literally wanted to run away, but I was on the floor, <laughs> and I was lying down on the floor, and I tried to run, but I couldn't because I was lying on the floor. And I was like, get me out of here. I need to, because I didn't want... To have to journey anything else at that time, how many people have ever felt that before anyway, but the question was about testing specifically and when you see testing um, the person said that they hadn't seen where the word was that brought the testing, how many of you know that life can test you how many of you know that life can test you it says in this world Jesus says, John 14 in this world you will have many troubles, but what does Jesus say, now this is, I love this but be of good cheer. Well, let me tell you this, right? It's like, it's like count it all joy, brethren, when you face trials of many kinds. It's the same, the same ilk. I've never been in an intense season of testing. Well, I, I, know, I should never say never, but seldom have I been in the season of testing and really counted it all joy. I'm like, okay. Um, but what's interesting, it says that in this world you have many troubles. It says trust in God, trust also in me. And there is a place that we can access in God when we trust in him in seasons of trial, testing, and trouble. When we, we actually get built up in ways that we couldn't have experienced if we hadn't been through that trial with Jesus by our side. And I've been in seasons before and I have been in these seasons and many of you guys will have done this before. And I've heard uh, many prophets, I think even Lance Wall now has spoken about this, where they have actually craved desert seasons again because they felt so close to God. And I'm telling you, I've definitely been in those seasons before, not wishing trouble, but saying, oh, I remember that season when, it was, when I was walking through the wilderness. Jeremiah chapter 2 talks about that. Specifically, I remember your betrothal, the closeness we had as we wandered through the wilderness together. I've just, I've just kind of... Um, paraphrase that but this is the thing when we go into wilderness when we go into trial when we go into testing God we can actually get really really close to God and it actually does something amazing to us internally and brings incredible transformation and shores us up to make uh, to really shore us up to becoming uh, to, to being able to administrate as overcomers in seasons to come as well it's really important you go through a big how many people have been through a big thing then something happens you go oh that's nothing I've been through that how many people have ever had that happen Well, let me tell you, when you went through that, you didn't think, oh, that's nothing. Does that make sense? And so what happens is that God builds us up in that way, but it's what we develop in that place and in that process with him that enables us to be victorious in other aspects. He always leads us in triumph from procession in Christ. Very important that we understand that. Great.
1: I just want to add to that. Um, So you can't get away from the testing, right, and the trials and the tribulation. Like That's a thing. Um, And I... I've learned through Heart Journey and, and you know, uh, working with people around the heart. I've learned that if I can just shift my perspective on the testing, I can't lose. So the way that I started to do it was I started to embrace triggers. Because that, triggers are a test. Triggers put you to the test immediately, right? So I started to embrace triggers because I, I, I realized that trials are going to happen you know, it says build your house on the rock because when the storms come. So storms, they're going to come. So they're going to come internally through triggers. They're going to come externally through things that are out of your control. But I learned that if I can find where I am empowered, because you're always empowered. You're always empowered. So I I learned to look for where I'm empowered in a test. So I'm going to... um, I just want to quickly talk about, you know, when, when the testing is external... So not just, you know, a trigger that you've got to work through because, you know, you've you really struggled to let go of something. So I'm talking about when the storms that come. If we can see how empowered we are to completely pass the test. Now, how many people here watch Friends? Have watched Friends? You know Monica. Monica loved tests and quizzes. That's me. When I began to look at tests as going, this is an opportunity for me to pass. So, my focus shifted from what the, what the storm was made of to I just need to pass this test. The focus shifts because what happens in a storm, what happens in a tribulation or a trial is everything is designed to speak, to, to, to preach to you. Everything. Everything gets, there's an upheaval and then there's, an un, there's, there's a period of you're very uncomfortable, everything's unsettled, everything's up in the air, emotions are high. Those, each and every one of those things preach to you. So when you learn to find that the only thing that I'm really empowered to do right now is the fact that I want to pass this test, it shifts your focus. So then you now become the eye of the storm. And you, you, that's the place where you get strategy. That's the place where you go, I'm not going to do what, I, what, what, what I've always done every time I'm brought to this threshold. So it's about shifting your perspective. This is uh, this is just an angle of, of what I want to um, say. I'm not saying, not trying to replace anything that's already been said, but if we can shift our perspective and our focus, because it's when you're focused, Todd says it all the time, when you're focused, that's, that's when you can actually land things, that's when you can shift things. And when we see that when when we're able to shift our focus, then we go, oh, that's what it means for the government to be resting on your shoulders. That's what it means that you you are you're at the centre of it all, but while everything's you know, in up here where everything's preaching to you, you they're the, things that aren't already pillars in your world, they're going to be the hardest things to find in, in the midst of the storm. So if you see testing as an opportunity to pass the test, we, we're wired to, to, ha- to have information, right? That, that's what we, we feel that our survival is dependent on in the fact of how much information we have, which is why we're so drawn to the tree of knowledge, right? But if we, we learn to see, oh, my goodness, I can actually access the knowledge that I need to pass this test, bring it down to a single focus, to pass this test and not what it's preaching to me through the tree of life, then you you actually see the test from up here and not, you know, running the gauntlet.
0: Very good. Is that good? Awesome. Okay. One last question and and we're done and we'll do our communion. And this question is for everybody. I'm in a really good place frequency-wise. What's some good advice, one thing each, that I can do over my holiday and Christmas period that will keep my frequency not just high, but it will increase it so I step into 2024 at the highest level of frequency than I've been for each person?
3: Um. Managing thoughts well, it says, I can't remember the exact things it says in the scripture, but um, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, meditate on these things. So that's something you can do constantly, whether it's you're driving the car, or you're at the shops, whether you're like, wherever you are, you can manage your thoughts well. And if you keep your mindset on things above, that will inherently produce, you know, increase in frequency.
4: Um, the thing that came to mind was just thankfulness. I just... You know, the, those moments throughout the day of just thankfulness actually cultivate something in your heart to keep your frequency up and constantly seeing the goodness of the Lord manifest because you're aware, you know, of the things to be thankful for, you know, especially over this holiday period, this the opportunity for the triggers to come up, but just the thankfulness of the things
1: that, you know, you see in those days too. So good. Um, You all know what I'm going to say. (laughs) Uh, I've done this for myself. Uh, I've even got my family to do this and and people that I minister to. And it it really does shift your frequency. Um, So What I would say is if you can cultivate a habit of finding, putting the Lord to the test, right, at his own word, finding him in every moment when your frequency is low like you know or so so that's that's to help as a as a pick you up but the other thing I want to add to that which is where I was going but I just wanted to to say you know if you really need like a first aid kit that's there but um but really I challenge you to find the Lord in the things that you enjoy because we tend to compartmentalize our world he's in the beach walks You, you enjoy them because he put them in there He's in the movie nights. He's in the, you know, going out, having a nice meal. He's, he's in all of those things. You know, I have, you know, he, he says, he says, I have never ever taken my eyes off of you. That's what he says. I've never slept or slumbered. Um, I've never left your side. I've never, I've never left you nor forsaken you. It is impossible for me to lie. So he's in the midst of every single thing. And so w- w- one thing that we've, um, I'll limit it to myself. One thing that I've learned that, Holidays seem to have a bit of a downer because you compartmentalise your life. You think, you know, you, 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 you associate high frequency when you're doing God's work or when you're in, you know, the company of others, but he's actually all you actually need. He's all you, he's all you need. Even, even if it was you alone in the desert with him, your frequency would be so high if, you, if our awareness of him. So I would say um, at any given moment, just, as, just try it, just even once a day, If if you're not already doing it, just once a day, just to give yourself permission to be aware of where he is in any given moment. And that is like being plugged right in.
0: Very good. Awesome. Rach?
1: Um, I had an encounter in our prayer meeting
2: um, before the service last week, and I saw the Lord fitting everyone with glasses that were, um, like, not rose-coloured, but goodness-of-God glasses. Um, and he started to show me about if we look at everything through the lens of the goodness of God, how different we see everything and how different we see the people in front of us. Um, and so I would say to, to allow him to fit us with a lens that sees his goodness and the gold in everyone around us. And if we can identify just even that one thing Um, And and express thankfulness and gratefulness for that and start to see the goodness of God around us and have that as our focus um, instead of all the other difficult things, but to see things through the lens of the goodness of God. We'll keep our our frequency up. And in fact, we'll start our year higher than we ended it.
0: Awesome. So good. And I'll just just add one. Um, During holiday seasons, we... Obviously our schedules change, let me implore you, you, we already, I think, I believe everyone here has a habit where you read the word every day, just don't stop doing it. If you read the word 15 minutes a day at the moment, even when your schedule changes, don't neglect reading the word for 15 minutes a day and it will actually uh, uh, assist in keeping your frequency nice and high. So, so good. Were those helpful? Let's thank our panel for an amazing, amazing session, so good. That was brilliant. So much gold there. So good. So, so good. Thank you so much, guys. Can we turn the pads on? Why don't you grab your communion? We're literally a couple of minutes out from landing. So, can we, yeah, if you can put the pads on, you can do your tearing now. Gosh, I sound so Aussie. There's something, my accent's changing. I bang you. So good. That was an amazing, wasn't that an amazing 49-day intensive? It was so, so much fun. Next week is the last service, so a Christmas service. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything that you've done to prepare us for 2024. And we thank you for your assistance in every way as we walk through 2024, 2025 and beyond, we thank you, God, that you are never going to leave us nor forsake us, that your intentionality is to continually prosper us and build us into the people that we need to be to partner with you to change the world. And Father, I thank you. You don't just do it because you have a function for us. You do it because you love us. More than anything, God, I pray, we pray for every person here, that all of us, would be touched by your love in a way that we've never had before over this Christmas period. And we would have a deeper, more intimate knowledge of who you are as a result. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. Take your communion. many people here? This is your last week of work. Does anyone work here? Okay, yep. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Okay. The word of the Lord is get a job. If you, no, I'm just joking. Good. Well, it's the last week. Um, have a great week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Remember, there is no Tuesday night meeting. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday next week for the last service of the year. It's going to be an amazing Christmas, and we pray you have an awesome. Time for, I believe that some people are, aren't going to be here next week. So have an amazing Christmas. If we don't see you, we look forward to seeing you in the new year uh, for the beach party. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful night. Amen.